All right, if you take God's precious word and turn to Philemon, verse 16. Philemon, verse 16. Last week, we learned that God sometimes allows us to experience seasonal loss that we may ultimately enjoy eternal gain. Onesimus had departed from Philemon for a season. But Paul wanted Philemon to view this seasonal loss in light of the providence of God. We're in Philemon verse 16, but we're going to be looking in verse 15 first to get our context. What a some big truths in this little bitty book. Look now in verse 15. For Paul said, perhaps he therefore... Departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Paul is teaching us here to view our hardships in light of God's providence. Christian, don't view your hardships according to the pain you're experiencing at the moment. View them according to the plan God has established for your future. We'll say it again. Don't view your hardships according to the pain you're experiencing at the moment. View your hardships according to the plan God has established for your future. When placed in God's hands, seasonal loss may yield eternal gain. And Philemon was about to gain Onesimus back. About to gain his bondservant back. Because Paul told Philemon last week that he was sending Onesimus back to him. But remember, Onesimus, who was before a slave, was now a Christian. Still a slave, but now a Christian slave. He had been born again through faith in Christ through Paul's ministry. So Paul told Philemon, I'm sending your servant back to you, verse 16, but... Not now as a servant. Not now as a servant. Now, if Philemon would not have been a believer in Christ, he would not have cared at all about Onesimus' conversion. He would not have changed his mind one bit about that man on the count of his new religion. But Philemon was a believer. And since Onesimus was now a child of God, Paul's saying, I'm sending him back to you, Philemon, but I'm, I'm not sending him back to you as a mere servant this time. No, not now that he has received Christ like one of us. For now, Onesimus, your servant, is a child of God. So Onesimus is not merely a servant now. Look back in your text. But above a servant, you see, not just a servant, but I'm sending him back above a servant, meaning he was now greater than a servant. He was more than the, 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 the class and rank that he presently held on earth in his flesh. And boy, there's a lot of doctrine right there. Since Onesimus was now in Christ... His position in Christ had elevated him into heavenly places with Jesus. 
far above every name that was named in Jesus Christ. No matter what you are in the flesh, it's who you are in Christ that really counts. No matter what you are in the flesh, it is who you are in Christ that really counts. People tend to identify themselves based on what they do, based on what they are in the flesh. I am really strong. I am really smart. I am a heavy equipment mechanic, a small engine mechanic. I am a science teacher or or, or body man or whatever it is. And they tend to identify themselves. That's why Billy and Jess are so snooty back there all the time. But they tend to identify themselves according to what they are in the flesh. And that's wrong. No matter what you are in the flesh, it's who you are in Christ that really counts. And this goes to show us that we should always view our brothers and sisters in Christ to be above whatever meager title or position they happen to hold here on earth. And when I say meager, I mean for all titles and positions. You may have someone with a a literally a meager title here on earth. But then again, when you consider Christ being above everything, any title on earth is meager compared to who we are in Jesus. I tell you, we have to see our brothers and sisters in Christ based on who they are in Jesus. Don't look at your brothers and sisters in Christ and categorize them according to what they do in the flesh. Listen, I have more respect, more respect for a trash collector who fears God than any unbelieving person deemed to be superior in rank or wealth or intellect by this world. The world, uh, excuse me, the word above here is key. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you're taking notes, verses 18 through 21, we learn that God wants us, quote, to know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far, here's our word, above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. If you are in Christ, then you are far above any earthly position that anybody holds in the flesh, including yourself. While we're in the flesh, we do have to yield to the, to the position our flesh is in. Don't forget that. Don't walk around pride and saying, well, I'm a child of the king. You know, I don't have to put up with this over here. Well, maybe you do. You may have to put up with it. You know, the boss tells you to do something at work. I'm a child of Jesus. You know, I do what you say. Yes, you do. You're a child of Jesus in the inner man, but you're still... In the flesh in this world. In whatever position your flesh is in. Remember Jesus. Being found therefore in likeness as a man. He humbled himself. 
what, what is that talking about? Well, he found himself in the flesh in a certain position as a man. And so in the flesh, he had to yield to the position his flesh was in. So he humbled himself and yielded himself to the law as a man, yielded himself to the authorities, paid taxes when he had to, the whole works. So while we're in the flesh, we yield to the position our flesh is in, but those of us who walk in the Spirit should not view our brethren according to the flesh. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 16, Paul explained it this way. He said, the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, from this point forward, knowing that Christ died uh, for, for all people, all people were spiritually dead and then he died and he rose again for them. On the basis of that, Paul is saying, he goes on to say, Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. We don't even know Christ that way anymore. Well, you can't. You can't think of Jesus as some man walking around with a pair of sandals on and getting tempted by the devil and you know, getting tried by Pontius Pilate and being underneath the Roman rule. You can't think of him that way. That's not the way he is right now. He's seated above every name that is named at the right hand of God. You have to think of him based on where he is positionally at this time. Therefore, anyone in Christ, you have to think of them in the same way. Not who they are presently in the flesh, but who they are positionally in the person of Jesus Christ. That will help you honor and respect the brethren. Because no matter how lowly they may be in the flesh. They are just as high as you in Christ. And if you happen to be snooty. And you happen to be some super wealthy or super, super powerful person in the flesh as a believer. Remember. In Christ, you're no higher than the next guy. So it goes both ways. But we have to learn to view ourselves and other believers according to their identity in Christ. So Onesimus, being a believer now, Paul said was, look back at the text, a, a brother beloved, especially to me. Every uh, believer in Jesus Christ is a brother or a sister beloved in Christ Jesus Every single believer. But some of us are special to others, right? Uh, Philemon, excuse me, Onesimus, was a special person to the Apostle Paul. And some people are special to us as brothers and sisters in Christ on account of what we've gone through together with them. I've been through a lot with Brother Shepherd. I've been through a lot with some of y'all. And sure, y'all are no higher or lower than any other believer in Christ, but certainly you're going to be more special to me. And Onesimus was very special to the Apostle Paul. But then Paul puts that specialness back onto Philemon. 
He says, Onesimus is a brother beloved, specially to me. Look back at the text, but how much more unto thee? Paul asked Philemon. He's special to me. He's been helping me here in my bonds. What an incredible believer to me. And one that I won to Christ. So yes, he's special to me. But how much more special should this man Onesimus be to you, Philemon? Uh, He says, look back in your text, both in the flesh and in the Lord. The two categories. He's special to you, Philemon, both one category in the flesh that is, who he is in the flesh to Philemon. He's special brother to you in the Lord. The second category, that is, who he is in Christ. Philemon now had an interest in Onesimus in two ways. Before, he only had one interest in Onesimus, and that was how? In the flesh. That was his relationship to Onesimus. Oh, that's my bond servant over there. Oh, can't do that now, can you? Because whenever he points to him, not only is he his bondservant in the flesh, he's now his brother in the Lord. So now there's a double whammy. Philemon now had an interest in Onesimus both ways in the flesh. Onesimus was Philemon's slave. In the Lord, Onesimus was Philemon's brother. Philemon therefore gained much more than he had lost. There's another golden nugget of truth here. Onesimus left Philemon as an unfaithful servant. Onesimus returned to Philemon as a faithful brother. Before Christ, an unfaithful servant leaves. After Christ, a faithful brother returns. Isn't that amazing? You see, with the gospel, you always gain more in the end than what you lose in the beginning. What a principle. Boy, he was, oh, where's that Onesimus, that sorry rascal? Look what he's done to me. He's done up and gone. Uh, And I don't know again how he became legally bound to him, but he was. And there was this temporary loss, but with the gospel... You always gain more in the end than what you lose in the beginning. That's a principle you will experience every time. Legally, Onesimus was bound to serve Philemon. So Paul instructed him to fulfill his legal obligations to Philemon in the flesh. That was right of Paul. That was right. Spiritually, Onesimus was equal to Philemon in Christ Jesus. So Paul instructed Philemon to fulfill his spiritual obligations to Onesimus and the Lord. So in the flesh, Onesimus, you owe Philemon this. Go back. In the spirit, Philemon, you owe Onesimus this. He's your brother. So we have both of these dual obligations as Christians. We are citizens of heaven in the Lord. We are citizens of earth in the flesh. And we have to pay respect in every sense to both God and to Caesar. Right? We have to. Now, I want you to understand 
why this was such a special reunion for Philemon. It appears that Onesimus was returning to Philemon on his own free will. Remember, Paul said that he would have kept Philemon with him. So he, wouldn't, he couldn't have said that unless he would have had the power to have done that. Perhaps Philemon had run so far away that he now was no longer within the legal jurisdiction or the practical, uh, uh, the practical uh, logistics of recapturing him. I know even in 2021, with all the airplanes and automobiles and trains and buses that we have, uh, if uh, it's very, very common uh, still today, and, and I, but I remember it in person, I would uh, run into somebody and I would check them and they would come back as a fugitive from Indiana, Illinois, uh, whatever state. And I, you'd call and check with the agency that put the wanted bulletin out on them and they wouldn't come get them. If you arrest them, we won't come get them. You know why? Just costs too much. Not worth our time to send someone, fly someone down there and pick that guy up. Man, we'd, not worth our time. I'm not going to mess with it. Happened all the time. And I'm sure, uh, practically speaking, how much more back then when you didn't have cars and planes and trains and all that stuff. So he said, I would have kept him with me. But I didn't want to do so without your permission, so I'm sending him back. He didn't say I would have kept him with me, but I didn't want to do so without your permission, so come get him, Philemon. He didn't say that. He's making Onesimus head back, whether foot or ship or whatever it was. What a journey back to make sure that you have met your obligation in the flesh to a brother in the Lord. What an incredible journey. Seems that Onesimus was surrendering to his earthly position in the flesh, fulfilling the legal obligations he had in the flesh as a child of God. So Onesimus left with a rebellious attitude, but he returned with a submissive attitude. He may not have enjoyed his obligations Apparently not, or he wouldn't have ran away, right? But as a Christian, though he may not have enjoyed them, he was going to fulfill them. And that's the kind of attitude that we have been called to have as children of God. This is going to sting a little bit for some of you. I don't know who. But statistically, I bet it does. It's the kind of attitude God's called us to in Colossians 3, 22 through 23, Paul said, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness, that means sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. There's those two categories again. In the flesh, to the Lord. Whatever you do in the flesh... To your master, do it to the Lord who is your true master. Fulfill your obligations in the flesh 
as if you're fulfilling them to the Lord. Onesimus had successfully escaped his legal obligation, but he repented and returned back to fulfill it. It had to have been difficult for Onesimus to go back. And probably as he's going back on his own, he probably thought several times, you know, I could take this road right here. Paul would never know. I could go off and get me a job and do whatever and forget Philemon. It's going to be embarrassing to go back anyway. He's probably going to be mad at me. And here I here I made this big long journey and I escaped all this. And, and now I'm going to go back. It's crazy. The Lord will know. He'll forgive me. I'm sure all that stuff probably went through his mind. It must have been very humbling also, however, for Philemon to watch Onesimus return on his own free will. I bet he thought, wow, what a man. He returns in his own free will to square things up with Philemon, his now brother in Christ. And make things right with him when he could have stayed away. And this goes to show us, children of God, and this is where it may sting a bit. That we are to fulfill our earthly obligations to man Even when we know that we can get away with it if we don't. Onesimus probably could have gotten away again with not returning to Philemon. And we can get away, I'm sure, without paying debt that we owe as well. But the Bible tells us to owe no man. Several years ago, I hired a man who was attending church here. To lay some flooring in my home. And I was at the house that day. And when he was getting close to being done laying the flooring in this particular room. I had to go out of town to do some business. And I I sitting there thinking. I don't want him to think. I don't want him to think. Hey I'm going out of town. You know. Uh, I didn't want him to think. Yeah he's going to skip out on me. So that way he won't be here when I get through. He won't pay me. I didn't want him to even think that that was possibility so I said I'm, 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 I have to go out of town uh, I, I won't by the time I get back I said you're already going to be done I said so I'm going to go ahead and square up with you now and I went ahead and paid him trying to do what was right what happened when I came home <laughs> he took my money and left left the job undone never came back to finish it he didn't care what was I going to do he had my money <laughs> it's amazing how people think but people think that way you have to learn the hard way that not everyone thinks the way you do that everyone has the same value system that that you have or that you were raised to have so I did what was right I didn't want to owe this man what was rightfully due him but why did he leave with my money? Because he knew he could get away with it. I investigated a group of thieves once. And they honestly believed that they were entitled to take your stuff. If you didn't take the necessary precautions to keep them from stealing it. I mean to me, to them it just made sense. Well they didn't lock it up. Well they just left it right out there in the front yard. There was no chain on that trailer. It's just the way they thought. It's their own fault. But getting away with something 
here on earth is not the standard of God's righteousness. And God's going to hold us all accountable one day for what we've done in our bodies. And nothing that we've escaped here on earth is going to escape his righteous judgment. We shall all be held accountable. Be an Onesimus. Take the long journey. Humble yourself. Fulfill the obligations you have in the flesh. If you owe something, pay it. I didn't stutter when I said that. Perhaps you're here tonight and you have an old outstanding debt that you owe. And you're thinking, man, I've gotten by with that for years. There's nothing they can do to me now. You're probably right. Probably right. But God can. God will judge you for that. If you owe someone, then pay the debt you owe. There was a man who owed my dad some money once. And I knew this man. I I grew up with his son and... And uh, I always had a lot of respect for this man. And he went and had some major uh, repair work done. I believe it was on his car. I think that's why he owed my dad money. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm sure he was probably paying it out. You know how people do. And he was about to go in for some major surgery. And he started thinking, what if I don't survive the surgery? I would never get to pay Kenneth back the money I owe him. Now, that's a a man of integrity who thinks like that. He He didn't want to die and never be able to pay my dad back. So before he went in for the surgery, he drove by Fulton Auto Service, pulled out his wallet, and squared things up. When I learned that story, what do you think my respect level did for him? Higher than it was before. I already had a high respect level for him. That's integrity. Is there a promise that you've made someone that you've not yet kept? Did you obligate yourself to do something to some, for someone in the past and you did not fulfill that obligation? Be an Onesimus. Keep your word. Keep your promise. Fulfill your obligation in the flesh. There was a businessman I know uh, who operates near Tyler and uh, he was telling me once about uh, a company he had he I don't want to say what he did people could maybe be able to put it together if I ever hear you're going to do business with them though I will let you know but uh, they they were going to make you know uh, he was buying construction material so he could do construction on this home So he orders the material, they send him the material, they send him the invoice, and he's still messing with this house up here, and and, uh, he, I, I guess, just mismanaged. Usually, a lot of times, they will either have the person who owns the home to pay for it, that's what I did on my roof, I paid for it, or you will at least front half of it, something. But he didn't ever get paid by this guy here. This guy was slow paying. The homeowner was. So he didn't pay these people. He said, yeah, they keep hounding me to pay them. I told him, you'll get paid when I get paid. I said, you're wrong. 
brother. I said, you ordered that material from those people. They sent you their material. They're out that material. You requested it. You bought it. And now you need to pay for what you bought. That's between you and them. The homeowner owing you money, that's between them and you. (laughs) But you pay for what you bought, and then you deal with that homeowner. I think he has an F on the Better Business Bureau right now. He's cheated so many people out of their money. Very sad. And he goes to church. But if you owe something, pay it. Don't delay it. Hey, that's a good thing. How about that? If you owe something, pay it. Don't delay it. In Proverbs 3, 27 through 28, the Bible says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. In other words, don't say, Well, I'll pay you next week. You got the money now, I'll, I'll pay you next month. Yeah, I'll get around to that one of these days. Notice how the proverb said, don't do this when thou hast it by thee. There's a presumption that the money's there. In other words, if you don't have the, if you, if you have the money, then, then don't fail to pay it. But here's the flip side of that financial principle. If you don't have the money, then don't spend what you don't have. And if you, if you, if you have, then pay what you owe. If you don't have it, then don't spend what you don't have. Onesimus was a servant. He owed a debt. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, that the borrower is servant to the lender. So if you've borrowed something, you're like Onesimus. You're a servant. You're legally bound to the person who loaned you the money. If someone's loaned you money and you haven't paid it back, pay it back. You owe the man or woman or whatever it is. You owe it. When you go into debt, you're making yourself a slave to that debt. You're you're, you're encumbering your flesh like Onesimus. Pay your debt. The Bible doesn't tell us how Onesimus became a slave, but he had gotten himself into into that jam somehow, and the Bible does tell us how to keep ourselves out of those financial jams. If you have it, then pay what you owe. If you don't have it, then don't spend what you don't have. If you follow those two financial principles, you will avoid so many financial burdens in life. Some people are enslaved to their credit cards. They use them to spend money they don't have. They don't have it by them, so they use the card and they spend money they don't have. And they then enslave themselves to the lender. Let me explain how a credit card works. Brother Richard, you shouldn't have to do that. We're all adults. Yes, I know. And I talk to adults all the time who say, man, I got so much credit card debt. A credit card company will give you a line of credit hoping that you will spend what you don't have. They will then give you a low monthly minimum payment to pay out. You owe 2000 brother Doug, but don't worry. You only have to pay me $20 a month for the rest of your life. And then they're going to charge you that high interest rate, hoping to hold you in bondage to those payments for years, even a lifetime. When I use a credit card, 
I pay the balance in full as soon as the bill comes. Pay it. My statement balance. Gone. Don't pay interest. And if you don't have the discipline to pay your card off when you use it, then cut the card up and throw it away. Has anyone ever had to cut a card up and throw it away? That's good. Glad you did. But Christian, if you have an old credit card debt still hanging over your head, don't think, ah, they done wrote that off. I'm not going to worry about that. If you owe it, pay it. Be an Onesimus and start paying what you owe. Okay, well, the loan company took advantage of me, but you're the one who spent the money. All these young people, I've got all this, all this uh, debt to the financial, to the, to the uh, uh, schools. I, I need someone to pay for it. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm way too much in debt up to my eyeballs, and I need, I need the government to help bail me out. I need them to waive what oh Man, you signed that loan. You obligated yourself to it. Now pay up. You're the one who signed and agreed to the payment. If you owe student loans, don't expect the taxpayer to pay your college for you. Don't expect me to pay your college for you. Sign the agreement. Be an Onesimus. Pay what you owe. Now, I want you to think about Onesimus. He was probably a long way from home. He probably traveled pretty far to get away from Philemon. And that means it probably took a long time for him to get back to Philemon. And it may take a long time for you to square off your debt too. But like Onesimus, you know how that journey begins? The first step. (laughs) That's how it begins. Taking that first step. And getting it off of your mind, off of your chest. So why don't you take the first step to making things right to the people that you owe, whether money or a promise you've made that you have not kept, or some debt, some moral obligation that you owe in your flesh, Take the step back to Philemon and square things up and make your obligations in the flesh right before you meet the Lord. Thank God Jesus squared things up for us between us and God. Thank God if if I were to die owing someone money, I'm still going to heaven because I don't got anything because of Jesus. I thank God for all that. But still, as a Christian... That's how Onesimus went back. He left because he wasn't a believer. When he became a believer, he says, I'm going to go ahead and square things up. I'm going back. If you're a believer, square things up. With that, we'll go ahead and close.